The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entities they represent. This program is intended for educational purposes. You're listening to Aap sun rahe hain Tohin suno tha Ningle kekunada Kyun kelta idira Radio Radio Azim Premji University Have you ever wondered how did pani puri come about or what goes into the making of a cotton kurta or a mobile phone or maybe a prescription medication In this series story of we will explore the stories behind everyday objects whether it is food items the clothes we wear or the mobiles we use In every episode we will start with an everyday object and dig deeper into it maybe talk about the migrant workers who prepare and sell our food farmers who grow cotton for our kurtas or how gold is mined and the people who mine it i hope to take you on this journey with me where we will invite guests who can help us find the story behind these everyday objects and if we ask the right questions we might learn many interesting things hi my name is richa govil and i'm a faculty member in the school of development at azim premji university this A story of Pani Puri on Radio Azim Premji University. Episode one, Pani Puri. Gol gappe wala. Ah, gol gappe. Gupchup. Pani ki batashe. Yes. Bulki. Gol gappa. Pani Puri. When I say the words Pani Puri, what comes to your mind? I'm sure you are imagining a vendor on some street maybe uh, a street close to your home I'm sure you are imagining this big matka full of this delicious pani you know and usually they have these plastic bags full of puris and then they will have this uh, pot full of aloo and the masala that they put in the puri perhaps more than one type of water that they will serve with it and i'm sure you imagine a setting where there are multiple people holding out those leaf cups for their turn when they will be served the next puri and the mouth watering crunch as that goes into your mouth origin of a uh, pani puri in the kingdom of magadh in what is now patna in bihar that region generally by some accounts the puri used to be smaller and crisper um but the filling was some variant of aloo which is more or less what we find everywhere in the country today there are many many variants right one can have a puri that's made of suji or maida uh, some people like plain aloo some places you will find aloo mixed with uh, onions other places you will have uh, matar or you would have chana 
and the healthy variants which will have variations of moong. In upscale restaurants, it's even served in very innovative ways. I was at a party once where the pani was served in a shot glass and on top of that was placed the dry puri with the usual fillings in it. It was tasty, but I have to say not as tasty as our usual street vendors. I remember the story from um, when I was a kid. My chacha would, you know, often want to take us out for chat. And my parents would always refuse because they felt that it was unhygienic because our chatwala, or the one closest to our home, uh, would always put his thela next to this big open nala. Uh, so he would always advertise, my chacha would always say, you know, whenever my parents would complain that uh, it was unhygienic, he would say, Jo maja wo nale ke bagal wale thele se pani puri khane mein aata hai, wo aur kahi nahi aayega, right? And that was his sales pitch. And he was absolutely right. But there have been many changes since those days. Uh, usually these days we find Pani Puri vendors advertising that the water that they use is very hygienic. They often wear plastic gloves even when serving the Pani Puri. Things look different. Um, but have you wondered who are these people who day after day stand at the same corner at the same times serving us our favorite snack. Sometimes we see the same person for years on end at the same corner selling pani food. Sometimes we see the location remains the same, but the person changes uh, over short durations. Um, have you ever wondered, do the people who sell pani puri, do they make the ingredients themselves? Do they get it from somewhere? Do they make money? And also, who are they? Where they come from? Are they locals usually? Do they come from somewhere else? What are their lives like? How do they think about Pani Puri? Hi, I am Pooja Guha, faculty at the Azim Premji University. And I'm interested in looking at informal labor, people who work in vulnerable conditions, especially in the urban areas. Being a migrant myself, the issues concerning migrants from various strata of the society has always been concerning me. And hence, I have a decade-long research done on migrants from different parts of the country. In fact, very recently, I've been studying migrants, especially the youth migrants who move from Chhattisgarh to southern states, uh, trying to understand their aspirations and their desires. And Pooja, you have studied street vendors. Can you tell us more about them? So we studied Panipuri vendors um, in our, during and before the pandemic, in fact. So talking about the Panipuri vendors, what we often find on the corners of the street, as you may have noticed, are these very young fellows, mostly men, standing at the same place, as you said, and vending for, um, let's just say, half a day um, and serving multiple customers. So yes, you're right. You know, we also wondered where did they come from? What is their background? And they look very young. Uh, what are they doing there? So we, in fact, interacted with many Pani Puri vendors around Bangalore. And interestingly, we found all of them to be migrants. And all of them claim to come from a particular state, which is Uttar Pradesh. Mirjapur, UP Uttar Pradesh. I have a district. UP Uttar Pradesh. These migrants from Uttar Pradesh. They have come to Bangalore. They don't speak our language. 
they don't speak Kannada. They speak their own language. And now they have created a space for themselves with the language of food, which is Pani Puri. Isn't that interesting? Food as a language. And that is what we see in most of the food vendors' case. Food as a culture is getting introduced in this larger city space of Bangalore and these migrants are using food to create a space for themselves. But interestingly, how you modify or customize the existing food of Bangalore? Let me give you another interesting fact about our very own Namma Dosa. The 99 variety dosa stall that we may have come across at various food streets, where does that come from? Again, interestingly, a person from Hassan actually went to Mumbai to vend dosa. And his dosa did not quite work there. So he had to customize it to suit to the Mumbaikers. What did he do? He made a pav bhaji dosa. He just put the bhaji inside dosa and he sold it. And that was a hit. He thought if it's working in Mumbai, why can't it work in Bangalore? Chalo, Bangalore maybe try karte hain. So when he got it back to Bangalore, it was not just pav bhaji dosa, but anything you name, you will get in as a filling in dosa. Starting from Chinese to noodles, to pasta, everything. And that was a great hit. And this was a person who started this cart, its food stall in Koramangala. And that was adapted by many cart vendors at different locations. So this tells us how new food and also the existing food gets customized based on the needs and requirement. And of course, the taste of the customers in a particular city. But at the same time, it's becoming a very a discernible part of the city's culture and space. So that's very interesting, right? You've talked about Pani Puri, you've talked about the many different varieties of dosa and many other street foods. You know, I'm sure you would have come across uh, people selling momos, uh, which are also very popular in Bangalore. But the I want to go back to the question we were uh, discussing earlier, right? So, who are these people who are providing us some of our favorite foods? Where do they come from? And, you know, even as a migrant, as they decide that, okay, I want to go to Bangalore and do something, why vending of food? What gets them interested in that particular trade? Now, there is an interesting story there as well. Who doesn't want to experience city life? People living in villages, maybe very small towns, Bangalore for them is an aspiration. They want to be there in that city. It is happening. Now, how do they get there? Or what do they do once they land here? Now, food vending is a very easy way of them getting into a livelihood, which doesn't really require much of a skill. And often they are working for someone. Let's go back to Panipuri vendors. These youngsters... 17, 18 years old, right? They should be doing their college or maybe high school. But they are there, standing on the road and vending. You go and ask them and they give a very interesting reason. They say, ma'am, we had to see this city. We had to go so you ask them, but you're working. They'll say that, Haan, ye chacha ka dukan hai, char paanch mahine rahenge, fir chale jayenge. Humko to ye shahar dekhna tha. 
So constantly they will say that they want to experience the city life. And that is what these youth want. Their aspirations of living a city dream. Often they don't own a stall. In fact, we have not met even a single Panipuri boy who owns the stall. They often work for an employee who is probably their distant relative or maybe some kins from their own village. And they are hired, these boys are hired on a short-term contract, usually for six months, to sell and they get a commission. So these youth, they try it out for six, eight months and then they decide whether to go back or to stick around. But honestly speaking, we have not come across even a single youth who said that who wants to, he wants to go back. It's been 12 years. It's been 14 years for me. So it is very interesting to see, you know, how these vendors who are migrants who have migrated here 20, 30 years back are still continuing in the same profession intergenerationally. So why city life? What do they mean by city life? Now, the vendors whom we have spoken to and we have asked them, what do you get in this city? Why do you live in this city? This city is so cheap, there are so So the one thing that they have constantly said is, they actually somehow value the education here more and also because they think of English education. They say that, so this English-speaking population and also the kind of glamour that that city has to offer, maybe they have not seen that in their childhood, but they want their children to acquire it. During the pandemic, when we were going and visiting these vendors at their homes because they had closed their carts and they were sitting at home, we asked them, Ki, aap kyun chale jate? They all said, Bacho ki padhai hai, madam. Jo bhi hai, yahan pe online classes ho rahi hain. Ghar chale jayenge, to wahan internet ki suvidha nahi hai. It is a constant tussle that they have. They want a life not just for themselves, but actually for their children. The other thing that they have found is the relationship that they build with their customers. This also became very evident during the pandemic. When we met them and asked them, Ki aapko sarkar se koi bhi suvidha mil rahi hai? Everyone said, Hum log yahan ke hai hi nahi, to sarkar hamari kyo sunegi? So we are wondering, how are you still sustaining? And many of them very interestingly said, Hamare sahab hai na? So you can see the amount of social capital that these people build over the period of years that they've been around with the people around them. It transcends the class and the caste barriers, which is very interesting to see. It's also reflected in the way they, that they speak to us. They have a sense of confidence about their future in the city. It is interesting to hear that many of them have this confidence about their future in the city. But I'm also wondering about another thing, right? Um, especially for most street vendors, you know, they will they will set up their cart or you know stand at some particular location. So how do they know where to set that up? Do they need permissions 
of you know the the shop next to which they are setting up and also is that something that they can rely on you know day after day month after month how does that work so far we have not come across any authority which decides whose space is it rather the vendors themselves decide they collaborate they coordinate they coerce and eventually they come to a conclusion that one particular space it is probably um, two by two a uh, space for one particular cart and that cart remains stationed in that space for the entire day throughout the night as well so we came across this litti choka vendor called sunil from bihar he had a semi permanent job in a factory he resigned from that and he thought that he has to start something on his own a business an enterprise and guess what he decided to sell litti choka because he thought that he is great in making litti choka in his village and he should be doing it here as well so we asked weren't you scared weren't you afraid that enough customers wouldn't come what he said was that this area where i am vending i know that there are many biharis to log to aa jayenge the only struggle was ki mujhe yahan jagah kaise milegi so then he started talking to the other vendors in that space and somehow he squeezed in a little bit space for himself and the cart and since then he's been vending litti choka in the same location now it has been close to 5 years and he's doing pretty well he's got these customers who come from distant parts of the city to have litti choka from him which is an amazing feat i must say when we think about uh, street vendors right and street food vendors in particular we imagine the kinds of carts you are talking about uh, people setting up a stool and starting selling uh, pani puri and all other kinds of uh, ways of selling food on the streets the one thing that often comes up is the nature of the street right and that changes and that's why we often see these uh, cities and neighborhoods engaging in these street cleanup drives and that is where many of these vendors get evicted so did you come across any such situations oh well yes in our two years of research we came across this big eviction drive that happened in one of the very prominent food streets of bangalore i'm not sure whether you were aware 18th cross of hsr was known to be the food street for last 20 25 years and that was a reason why we chose that for our research one fine morning we woke up to the news that there has been some eviction drive on the 18th cross we were surprised we were taken aback we immediately rushed to the street because we have been there we knew all the vendors there and to our surprise out of those 50 no one was there we waited for the whole day because we wanted to meet those vendors koi to aayega no one came finally we called up a few and we went to their homes to find out what happened and you know what happened the last night they were said that they have to evict they have to remove their carts and the same carts which have been parked there for last so many years they had to remove them overnight the next day morning bulldozers came and they said that if they don't evict by noon then the bulldozer is going to clear up the whole street we were surprised we said that didn't you ask why they said that we did madam but they just said that there is some clean up drive which is happening 
यहाँ पे शायद कुछ रोड बनेगा या नाला बनेगा वी वे नॉट हैप्पी विद दिस सो वी वेंट अहेड एंड आस्क दी अथॉरिटीज वॉट हैपन वाई दिस सडन एविक्शन वॉट वी वे टोल्ड वॉज अ वेरी डिफरेंट रीजन वी वे टोल्ड दैट दे हैव टू डू इट दे हैव टू क्लोज ऑल द स्ट्रीट फूड कार्ड्स बिकॉज देर वॉज एन एपरेंट कॉलेरा आउटब्रेक इन बैंगलोर एंड द फूड कार्ड्स वेर कंसिडर्ड एज स्प्रेडिंग दिस डेडली डिजीज वी वे वंडरिंग वॉट इज द एविडेंस why them but wouldn't the street vendors act protect them in some way so unfortunately the act is yet not implemented in the city had it been there the vendors may not have to face this but there are several problems with the implementation of the act but i must tell you one thing here india is the only country which has an act like this protection for street vendors act which entails that no street vendor can be evicted without giving proper notice and proper reason and also in any case if they are evicted their livelihoods needs to be secured they have to be given a proper an alternative space of vending so this is an act which gives private rights to public space just imagine what it means footpath it belongs to all of us but the government is saying that a vendor who has a vending cart and is recognized by the government can use that footpath for his or her own livelihood purpose to earn a livelihood which means that at that moment in time when he is vending i cannot use that part of the footpath so this is interesting right because when you talk about a private use of public space right and i think about the context of streets which is what we are discussing we do that all the time with our vehicles right so if i'm driving a car and i park it on the street i have also occupied that public space for my vehicle so how is this different that is where the interesting part about this act is why this act is particularly given to the street food vendors or street vendors in general why does street vendors have this luxury that they can park their cart and also make money out of it while people who are who want that space to park their own vehicles do not here we have to also understand the vulnerability and precarity of 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 this informal labor our vendors so they have a livelihood and we have to protect their livelihood now by protecting their livelihood what they require is space space is integral for these kind of uh, people or this kind of livelihood so the government or the act ensures that they get their space so that they are able to carry on with their livelihood so what you're saying is that this act is designed to protect the livelihood of populations which are vulnerable right and that is why the act is imagined and designed in a way that it gives them some rights enforceable rights over public spaces absolutely absolutely so you had said earlier that you know we are the only country in the world which has such an act um and if i remember correctly this was passed in 2014 right so how did this come about what was the thinking behind it so this act has a long history history goes back to the constant contestation that hawkers and vendors have been having with the city dwellers whose space is it it's not a new question it's been asked forever so there and there's this constant thing about 
you know, the, is the footpath for the pedestrians or is the footpath for the hawkers? And this contestation has happened in every big city in India, Delhi, Calcutta, Mumbai, everywhere. So the act came about as a push from the associations of various vendors in large cities like Delhi, Gujarat, Ahmedabad, Mumbai. Why it is remarkable is that the state now identifies these vendors as legal entities. They are not illegal encroachers. And they are giving them the legal space to vend. Having said that, the act also regulates these spaces. Which means a vendor cannot vend anywhere and everywhere. There would be certain regulated spaces, regulated streets, which will be the vending zones. And those were the places where the vendors would be putting up their carts. And they have to register somewhere for this? Yes. And vendors also need to register themselves as vendors with the authorities. So what I find fascinating about this is, as you said, right, we are the only country which has such an act which gives these spaces, designated spaces, to vulnerable communities for their livelihoods purposes. Yet, at the same time, when, I mean, all our cities are growing and even the newer areas of cities are not designed keeping in mind street vendors, right? We Indians love our street food. We can't imagine a city without street food. Yet, when we design neighborhoods, there is no space for them. So they have to be on the footpath. Therefore, by design creating this conflict between people who need to use the footpath and people who need to use that space to vend food, which the footpath walkers are themselves going to eat. I completely agree here. And that's the whole fight between the city dwellers and people from outside, let's just say. Whose city is it? When you're imagining the aesthetics of the city, where do I put in these street vendors? I should give you another example from my own work. When we were visiting some of these spots of vending, we came to a location which was mostly residential, it was somewhere near North Bangalore, Sanjay Nagar. It was near a park in the very residential area of Sanjay Nagar. So we asked the vendors that, uh, how did you get a space here? Are the residents okay with you all vending here? And there were close to 30 vendors. They said that, yes, the residents are fine. In fact, some of the residences are our regular customers. We go and deliver food to their house. Many old people live there, so they like our food. It was very nice to see that kind of amicability between the residents and the vendors. However, things drastically changed post-COVID. When we went to the same spot after the pandemic, what we saw was again a vacant spot and maybe one or two vendors there. We asked them what happened. So they said that, you know, we were the first one to leave because everything was closed. When we tried to come back, the residents thought that if they allow us there on the street, we would be spreading the disease even more. So we were looked as carriers of the disease. So in fact, one person narrated, Madam, jitni safai hum log rakhte hain, aur jitna fresh khana hum log banate hain, aap ghar pe bhi nahi rakhenge. Aap log fridge ka istemal karte hain na, lekin hum koi khana fridge se nikal ke aapko nahi dete. So, you tell us, we 
बीमारी को कैसे फैलाएंगे लेकिन क्या करें लोग जो मानते हैं वही मानेंगे दिस वॉज वेरी डिसहार्टनिंग बिकॉज ऑन वन हैंड दोटेल्स वेर ओपनिंग द रेस्टोरेंट्स वेर ऑपरेटिंग बाई बिकॉज दे वे कंसिडर्ड एज हाइजीनिक वेर एज द फूड वेंडर्स वेर नॉट अलाउड बिकॉज दे वेर ऑपरेटिंग ऑन स्ट्रीट सो यू सी हाउ मच एवर वी से दैट वी रेकग्नाइज दैम एंड वी सी देर यूटिलिटी इन द सिटी एट द टाइम ऑफ क्राइसिस दे आर द वंस हु गेट अफेक्टेड द मोस्ट so this kind of way of thinking about the food that they are serving ye sabhi ki soch aisi thi ki kuch hi ki aisi thi yahan pe main ek aur kahani sunana chahungi there was a woman whom we met again on the 18th cross hsr her name was shantamma you will not believe but she has been vending there for last 40 years hsr 18th cross mein last 30 saalon se बट उसके पहले वो वहीं आसपास एक और गली में अपना कार्ड चलाती थी सो वेन शी एक्चुअली गॉट इन टू द बिजनेस शी वॉज अराउंड ट्वेंटी इन हर ट्वेंटीज एंड शी गॉट इन टू द बिजनेस बिकॉज शी थॉट दैट शी नोज हाउ टू कुक एंड वाई नॉट शी कैन हैव हर ओन एंटरप्राइज बट नाउ शी हैज अ सन हुम शी इज मैरिड ऑफ एंड द एंटायर फैमिली इज इन टू दिस पेंडिंग बिजनेस वॉट वॉज इंटरेस्टिंग अबाउट दिस वुमेन वॉज दैट the way she thought about her customers nutrition she used to say that i make sure that my customers get a full balanced meal i would have dal with some vegetables i will have a mixed veg curry i will have rice and chapati and she also had non veg option so ek din fish ek din egg different varieties she said that we are responsible for our customers health if the customer falls sick by eating our food he is never going to come back so we have to ensure that he gets good food at the same time his nutritions are balanced i mean tell me kaun se hotel wale is tarah se sochte hain so it's obvious to all of us that street food vendors provide a critical service to all of us who live in cities you know whether they are selling pani puris momos or full meals in this show about the story of pani puri we started by discussing pani puri itself the food uh then we discussed who are the people who are selling these pani puris to us um and we learned that many of them are migrants from different parts of the country who come to a city like bangalore almost to try out what a city life could be and many of them stay for years and years and build their lives here uh, have children and many of them bring in their children nieces and nephews uh, into the same trade many of them through this work develop a sense of their role in the city as providers of uh, affordable food whether it's for regular needs or the occasional snack then we also got into some of the politics of public spaces in cities so whose footpath is it anyway who should have a right to use that footpath or not so you see we started with something as simple as pani puri and through that we discussed 
some of the very complex issues that relate to urban migration, use of urban spaces, and even laws that govern the country. So through this discussion, I hope you start seeing objects that are all around us and start wondering about the stories behind them. And the next time you look at a pani puri, I hope that you see it differently. After your last bite, or perhaps before it, take a moment to say hello to the seller. Find out where they are from. Learn a little bit about who they are, what they are doing in the city, and what they hope to be. Thanks, Pooja. That was great. My pleasure. And we'll see you all next time. That was episode one, Pani Puri. Make sure you check out the show notes where we share the show resources and acknowledgements. And don't forget to subscribe or like our channel for future episodes. You're listening to Radio Azim Premji University.